Have you noticed how just about every device on the planet is connected to the internet and capturing huge amounts of data? We live in a society where we're data rich and knowledge poor, and in particular in healthcare data. They need a trusted advisor, come in the pharmacist, that helps them personalise their primary healthcare, and wearable technology can help you do that. Welcome to the Transformation Show, where successful pharmacy owners and technology partners help you to build a better 21st century pharmacy by embracing technology. Here is your host, Robert Starr. G'day everyone, welcome back to Transformation, the only dedicated podcast in the world where pharmacy and technology collide to bring you, most importantly, the motivated pharmacy owner, all that you need to build your smarter, more successful 21st century business before it's too late. My name's Robert Starr, your host and guide on this fantastic journey of ours, and we're into episode 38. And what a great response you all had to last week's show. It was amazing. We had nearly 100 listeners in the first 24 hours, which is unheard of for any transformation episode. So well done and congratulations on taking that step and showing some great interest in it as well. I'd love to know what you took away from it and more importantly, what you've got done already to start implementing it in your pharmacy, which is where all the real good stuff happens and they're the stories I love to hear. I'm here to help you in any way I can to get you started and several listeners have inquired as to whether both John and I would consider doing a webinar or even a workshop as a follow-up. So we're going to have a chat about it but please let me know if you're interested in joining us and we'll keep you posted with any upcoming dates and details as well. But drum roll please, we've got a competition winner to announce. As we did last week, the best question posed to John was going to win a fantastic prize of John's signed book as well, a copy of Transformation, which will be perfectly signed by me, and also a $100 credit towards the first Pharmacy Freedom Index Review and Assessment Session. And before I announce the winner, we're going to have another one this week as well. So our guest today, Craig Simmons from HealthPoint Tech, has kindly put together an eye health activity and sleep tracker for the best question asked. I'm going to put in a personally signed copy of Transformation and also another $100 credit towards your first Pharmacy Freedom Index review and assessment session. Fantastic prize. I know you're going to get so much from that and I look forward to receiving the questions this week. But before further ado, our winner this week is Bishoy. So congratulations Bishoy. As uh, some may already know, that Bishoy was the one who posed the question that really started last week's episode. And really, it was the question that he wanted answered. And it was a great question he was then able to pose back to John once again. So what he put forward was, Rob, great episode once again. Well, thank you, Bishoy. I really do appreciate that. Very informative, particularly given we're right in the middle of developing our website. I really appreciated all of what John Hollenberg was able to talk about, it, particularly the importance of having regular up-to-date information via a blog, newsletter, and other means. We've already got another website. This one wasn't fully thought through for our compounding business. And the one thing that we always ensured to remain on the first page of Google was having blogs, Google Plus updates, which worked on the right from the onset, although we may have been a little more slack in the last few weeks. Well, look, great, Bish. It's been great that you have a go at it, and it's important that you're implementing, which is fantastic. 
question to John is, I recognize that a website is a destination where people will need to actively seek as opposed to social media where they may just stumble across us. My question therefore is what methods, means may I utilize that may have been well tested in promoting my pharmacy website to my local community besides the obvious pharmacy stationery, POS receipts and addition to signage? Great question, Bish, and I'm not going to go all the way through the answer that John put together for you. It was a very detailed answer. So if any of your listeners have got a similar position for Bish, head across to robertstar.com forward slash episode 37, and all of the materials that John very kindly put together for Bish's answers is available in the discussion session. And I'm sure if you want to pose a question to John, even though the competition's over, he'll certainly make a good fist of answering that for you. But don't forget, there'll be another prize on offer for the best question this week as well. And Geez, I'm so excited to bring you this interview because it's a, such a new category for pharmacy and it's only becoming bigger and bigger. And I dare say it's going to be very profitable for your pharmacies as well. So you're going to get a lot out of that. But before we get into that, I was out on the road this week again, conducting our review and assessment sessions for Pharmacy Freedom Index. And there were some great insights I wanted to share with you as it was very common to every single pharmacy owner that I spoke to. And that was customer databases and the frequency of communication being much greater than 90 days. But to help you walk through that, I wanted to share with you my personal example. So if you sign up at robertstar.com or if you already have, you're probably gonna have it in your inbox already. And you get an email from me every week detailing what the show's going to be about and you also get it in time to listen to it or be one of the first to listen to it as I send that off the minute I hit publish on the podcast button. So that'll be a great source for you to have a look at the email and how I do it and how I want to communicate and I want to let you guys know what I'm doing every week. Now I'm not saying you have to do it every week but that's been the feedback that I've been getting and particularly if you have any more feedback if you want to hear more from me I'm always happy to increase that or if you've heard too much, decrease it. So I'm always open for feedback. But what I wanted to go through with you is what sources you have, and particularly for those who haven't started doing any electronic communication with their customers, as to where to start. So the sources of information, particularly around your database, will start with your loyalty database. So if you've already got a customer loyalty program, you will have a database already. But I was really shocked to actually find out, just from a cafe owner, let alone a pharmacy owner, last weekend, that they had a free customer loyalty program provided by their franchise group, but they never had access to their customers and their own database, which to me is a waste of time. So the first thing is make sure you have your database, make sure you can get hold of it, and make sure you can get it in what's called a .csv format, which is very universal, and you can import that directly into an electronic mail communication platform. And the one I'm suggesting is MailChimp because it's free to get started up to 500 subscribers and most of us may not have a database greater than that. And you can really get your, get your toes into it and use some fantastic templates that they have available. I'd also suggest that you try to syndicate your hard copy newsletter information. So if you're part of a banner group, you may already have some articles that you can get from your head office marketing department and some nice pictures that you can throw into those emails as well. And ensure that content is helpful. Don't make them advertising. Don't make it like a radio ad that we spoke about. We spoke about Facebook advertising earlier this year make sure it's really helpful content. And if you're aiming to solve a problem, 
think of what the patient needs before the problem and after the problem and don't just offer a band-aid that's only going to take them part of the journey. That's the key, I reckon. And make sure you also offer a call to action or a next step. What I try to offer you guys through my emails is the ability to continue the conversation either directly through social media, through any means you mean to contact me, and also through the transformation community as well. I've had I've had listeners contact me by Facebook Messenger, Facebook page, Twitter. I'm very accessible. And that just allows you guys to continue that conversation as well with me, which is what I intend to do. So it's important that your customers are able to talk back to you through electronic means when they need to. So the example that I wanted to share with you was one that we used earlier this year, which was how to start using that email marketing platform for your pharmacy. So I'll put that in the show notes for you. And also you'll be able to listen to that and really get started. That's our Pharmacy Freedom Index insight for this week. And make sure if you haven't already taken the test, head across to pharmacyfreedomindex.com. It only takes you seven minutes and it'll give you your rating in nine critical areas in only seven minutes. You'll get a copy of the Transformation eBook and also the ability to start your workbook and kickstart your journey. I know you're going to love that as well. And you also get the opportunity to work with me for a 90-minute session to map out how you can tackle and implement those biggest opportunities. So hit the book in for a consult button and I look forward to visiting you in your pharmacy to maximize your success. Our listener feedback this week is from Luke Owen. And you might remember Luke as uh, the first one to take transformation overseas with his journey to London, which was fantastic. And he, uh, he posed the question of, what do, we, what do we believe the QR codes do? Can we redirect them to other websites? And what's the best use for them? And I'll pop that question in the show notes for you as well. So thank you very kindly for your message and, and very kind words there, Luke. I really appreciate that and appreciate your support. And I also posed, and as Luke also mentioned there as well, that, um, that, that he mentioned that there's great opportunity that I preach as compared to the PBS reform that we see. And I don't know if I can compare to the PBS reform. However, I have posed a very, um, a very nice picture for you to have a look at, which is about the one word of opportunity is now here. Now, you have a look at that for yourself and you tell me what you see. And I'd love you, every, every other listener, to have a look at that and see what you see because it really helps to guide where where mindset is at the moment. And we need to always make sure we're very positive around it. So in answer to your question about QR codes, we, the best one I'd recommend is the Kawa QR code generator. So not everyone has a reader installed. So please make sure that you're also including a short URL as well, which basically means that if they don't have a QR code um, reader, they can still access your site as well. You can point any site you wish to that. There's no problem with it, but you'll only be able to do change it if you are going to get a dynamic QR code. And I dare say they're a little bit more expensive. The static ones, which means they never change, and the dynamic ones means that you can change them. Um, the static ones are free. So where we've seen QR codes, and I'll put some links in the show notes as well, which will help you to see how these get used. 
is one example, um, and it was a great one that I came across, was Home Plus in Korea. And they were, they were at Tesco's sister supermarket over, over, uh, over in Korea, and they couldn't get enough physical sites to open up their supermarkets. So what they decided to do was to use the real estate in train stations. So they painted the walls of all the platforms with QR codes and products to make it look like supermarket aisles and allowed commuters to, to shop whilst they're on the platform. And the minute they would get home, they'd get a knock at the door from Home Plus and it would be delivered for them. And they grew to the number three grocery chain in Korea with having minimal real estate, which was an unbelievable transformation for their business. And I think even Woolworths had tried that at Flinders Street Station with mixed success. And we've also got a great pharmacy example of You Save Kemet chemists that use it for their health advice, as Simon Herfitt shared with us earlier this year, and also for in-store information that um, customers can access by using their app as well. So there's some great examples for you to have a look at there, Luke. Um, have a look at the videos in the show notes, and also might add that, um, that it, I've used it myself, and I, and I find it quite useful, and um, Bishoy is going to get a little bonus with his uh, competition. I might even throw it in for this week's one as well, which was some leftover keep cups that I had from the Transformation book launch, and they have a QR code on the front, and if you scan that QR code, you get access to every episode of Transformation just from a scan of the scan of your phone. So I'll put that on the show notes. You can have a look at it as well. Without further ado, here we go with our interview. Our interview today is with Craig Simmons. He's the general manager of HealthPoint Technologies, whose business has transformed itself to not just be a health information kiosk vendor, but they want to be known as the leading company for consumer-facing technology for pharmacies. Craig Simmons, welcome to the Transformation Show. Thanks, Rob. Oh, look, great to have you on, Craig. And look, again, wearable tech something that we haven't covered for probably quite a few months on this show. So I'm really looking forward to it, as I'm sure our listeners are, as uh, we keep seeing more and more come up through the media. And um, I'm sure pharmacy, as, as you probably tell us, has a great opportunity. Yeah, exactly right, Rob. Uh, I think the, uh, the, one of the biggest opportunities in retail now is wearable technology and we know that the uh, the consumer electronic market are really um, they've grabbed this market because they get it very quickly in fact they're always the leaders in it and where I see the opportunities for pharmacies who can do a much better job of it and um, you know it fits into their space they've got the people to show people how to do it and uh, I think it's a, a Really exciting product and area for pharmacies to grow. Ah, oh, fantastic! Fantastic. And and Craig also likes like to get a story initially. And um, HealthPoint's gone through its own uh, transformation. Uh, pardon the pun, um, but uh, it, I'd love to know. And I think our listeners would love to know. Like, um, how did HealthPoint start for you? And you know, what challenges did you see? And how did you evolve into now um, having eye health? Rob, we uh, my background is retail. Um, and I used to be in the shoe industry, and I always used to know in the shoe industry with retailers, the most important thing to me is whenever someone walks into a pharmacy or any retail stores, we want to walk away with two products, not just one. I saw that in the shoe industry really clearly. Um, when I joined HealthPoint, and it's now nine years ago, um, we were a single product company, and um, the HealthPoint pro- product, which is the 
health informations and health assessments on touchscreens, which is great technology, has, has evolved. But my challenge as a business is when any of my team walks into a pharmacy, we may only not we may not walk out with a sale. Um, we may not be able to help the pharmacy with just health point. And I want to I've continue to look for other products so that when my when my guys walk into a pharmacy, we can at least walk out with something, which is how I see any any customer walking to a pharmacy, they should walk out with one, maybe two products. Um, so we've evolved HealthPoint over the last um, nine years. It's a very different product to what it was all those years ago. It was, it was a kiosk company. Well, we don't do kiosks now. We use um, slimline touchscreens, completely customized to the pharmacy. Last year, in about September last year, I was at an overseas trade show and I saw this product range called iHealth. And it was a range of blood pressure monitors and activity and sleep trackers and scales. And I thought it, it was a really sexy product. I, I really loved it. I, um, I was immediately drawn to it. And I said to the guys that were doing it, I said, what are you doing in Australia, in pharmacy? And they said, well, nothing. And that was in September last year. Well, on Christmas Eve, we signed the agency agreement to do uh, eye health into pharmacy in Australia. And we started delivering in just after APP, the end of March. And now we're in over 700 pharmacies. And within the next three to four months, we'll probably be in close to 1,100. And it's a product which... Um, it's sexy. Mm. It's excited. It, it excites. It excites our pharmacy customers, and therefore it excites the customers that comes in. And what it's done for the business, what it's done for HealthPoint Technologies, is we're no longer a, a one-trick pony, so to speak. We have multiple products in our range, and I think that's what every business should do for uh, you know for sustainability and. We, what it's actually done, Rob, is iHealth has actually helped our HealthPoint business because people now understand technology. It's so much more important in, in pharmacy and they can see how it actually generates more business for them. Oh, look, oh, look, absolutely, and, and particularly also from a, a wearable tech side of things, you, you de- you're now delivering you know, personalised data that's actually translated into actions around people's health conditions, and it's probably perhaps even spurning a, and more, a greater interest in people's health because they can actually uh, control the data and actually touch it, feel it, understand it, which probably then drives the educational journey, whereas previously I think we've been very reactionary in that if uh, you know a medical practitioner or an allied health practitioner had mentioned a particular condition we may be interested in wanting to learn more about it uh, but now that we're actually got this data and it's like okay so what does that mean what does that what does a high blood pressure reading mean and those apps that facilitate it so I think that that'd be a great little thing for us to explore Craig but with um, the data that we're capturing with wearable tech how is it being well translated to consumers through the apps that develop it and you know what what patterns are we starting to see the thing that we've learned and i think this year in fact they, they called 2014 the year of the wearable um which is you know i think we've got year of the child and i remember when i was a kid it was year of the child well now it's year of the wearable um which probably most pharmacies don't know but um it's 
It's one of those. It's well, it's a category out there that really last year didn't exist. Um, what we're finding is because so many people have smartphones these days, and I mean, eighty percent of people have smartphones, and it and it's growing. Um, people want to know what their bodies are doing. Um, in fact, I I reckon that the the big change is our customers actually want to know what their health is doing. They actually don't want to wait till they get to the pharmacy anymore. They want to be in better control than what someone else is telling them. They want to know before someone else tells them. And that's what the iHealth range does. You know, In fact, the whole wearable category does. Because the data is on your phone, you have your phone with you all the time. I was at a, um, uh, I did a, a training session in Wyala last week. It was with some Kmart stores who put the eye health range in. And I remember saying to them, I had about 20 ladies in front of me, I said, Does, what, how do you feel if you left your phone at home? And there was a, you know, it was like a feeling of shock. How do we survive when we don't have our phones with, them, with us? We carry them all the time, but now what the, our phones do to, for us is they carry our data, they carry our health data. And the lovely thing about the wearables now is you know, we can see how far we're walking every day. We can see how many calories we're, we're burning every day. We want to know these things. Before, we didn't have the, we just didn't know. Mm. And we didn't necessarily think about, well, now we can know and we want to know. And um, the data is becoming so much more important part of our lives uh, because we want, better, we better want to better manage our health. Yeah, look, it's, it's interesting because with <clears throat> obviously the pre previous way people were able to tackle their health problems is that there was no ability for them to self-manage. So the accountability structure in any goal that they may set for themselves, whether it be to sleep more or to drink more water or eat a certain amount of calories each day, it was very much result dependent and the result always dependent on the uh, health practitioner that they came to visit. So I think it, it allows them to be accountable to themselves, um, how well are they understanding it? And are, are these apps able to translate it and translate their data into actionable things that they can do in that they may only have walked a certain number of steps, but they actually understand what taking an extra few thousand steps each day may do for them? Yeah, I, I think it's particularly relevant to a lot of the pharmacy weight management programs. Um, you know, there's the, the Tony Ferguson, the, um, the Impromai um, weight loss programs that are out there, what it's doing is it's giving people some clear identifiable data so that they can um, you know, do their meal replacements. But when they're, they're doing their exercise component of it, they can actually set a goal. And the, the, the clear difference between a standard pedometer, which just tells you your steps, is it just tells you steps, which is almost meaningless. Mm. What the wearables do is it tells you the steps, but it tells you how far you've been. It tells you how many calories you've burned. But then it's not just telling you that data. You can actually see it over a period of time. And that's what we want to do. And it doesn't matter with any, any type of device. It's not so much the data on that day. It's getting a feel for where you've been and where you're going. And people like to see trend lines. And that's really important with wearables. In fact, any of these... Um, e-health devices we want to see we want to track um, and some really clear examples of that is uh, one of our um, 
pharmacies in Canberra. Um, it's a retail manager. She um, she has to manage her blood pressure every day. Um, she took her phone to the doctor because it had all the data from the blood pressure monitor over the last month, and she took her phone to the doctor and showed on the app all the results. And the doctor got a very clear picture of a trend of what her blood pressure was doing, as opposed to if she'd just gone to the doctor, she'd done the blood pressure reading, and white coat syndrome will often raise <laughs> blood pressure. So the doctor actually got a better understanding of what this lady's blood pressure was doing over the last month, which meant he could help her better manage her health, which is, that's the power of the data, not just giving data at a, at a point of time. Yeah, look, I think it creates that ability for there to be that great deeper collaboration between the patient and the healthcare professional in that the uh, it's not all solely dependent on what the healthcare professional captures on the day. Like you say, with white coat syndrome, it often skews the data and leads to an, an inappropriate diagnosis perhaps. But uh, I suppose it's bringing together everything that we know about ourselves and it's really probably what defines what we're now hearing is that quantified self-movement um, of being able to understand ourselves through data um, and to make that actually relevant to how we plan and manage our health moving forward. So it's not... But again, Craig, it's not just fitness trackers as well. There, there are all sorts of different health devices that uh, connect up with, uh, I guess, the um, mobile applications. Yeah, that's the thing, Rob, and that's what I was attracted to, this iHealth range when I first saw it last year. Um, look, wearables is one part of it, um, and there's Fitbit and there's Jawbones, which the Harvey Normans and JB Hi-Fi's are selling and selling exceptionally well. That's one component of it. I actually think the bigger part of it is um, the products around that, um, such as blood pressure monitors. And I think from a pharmacy point of view, you know, blood pressure monitors haven't changed, haven't changed in probably 10 to 20 years. Um, what we want to do with blood pressure monitors is we actually want to help the customer understand what their, their readings are. And the lovely thing is when we go in and, and show pharmacies um, the eye health blood pressure monitor is it just doesn't tell you the systolic and diastolic numbers. That's what every device tells you. What the app, By having it linked to an app, it tells you what it means. So you can scroll up and you can see the graph. And the graph is far more important than the actual numbers. And the reaction we've had from, from customers, um, and I was in a, another pharmacy last week in regional South Australia, and we were doing an, another training session on on um, the blood pressure monitors and the amount of customers we had come around to see what we were doing because they could see the power of what it meant and some customers uh, bought the product there and then because it's seeing what the data means. Data to me is actually meaningless. It's what it means and what you can do with it and um, so whether it's a blood pressure monitor, um, the, the glucose monitors, the glucose monitors are you know, fantastic devices because what it means is you can actually track where the results have been. You can see where your glucose levels are. It's not just about a point of time. You want to see where it is in relation to your parameters. The power of the company that I'm working with, with iHealth, is, and iHealth work really closely with Apple um, in the States. I mean, they're, they're Android compatible as well, but they, they're, they're essentially 
going to any of any devices that are out there and we're turning them to, to app-based products. Um, one of the new products we've just uh, delivered in the last two weeks is a pulse oximeter. And this is really taking a clinical product but making it into a consumer-friendly product. And I think this is the power of of where this is going. We're, we're really taking clinical products that were just used in hospitals, which the doctors and the nurses would use. But now we're giving pharmacies the opportunity to help their customers. And a pulse oximeter is a yeah, classic yeah. example. You know, it's great to understand COPD. It's great to understand, I mean, it's, the, it's one of the first things that when you go into any hospital, the nurse will stick on a pulse oximeter. We want to understand what the oxygen levels in the blood are. And because this is app-based, it simply does that. The product is sexy. I'll go back to yeah. my shoe days. You've got to have a sexy product because otherwise people won't buy it. <laughs> I think that the biggest challenge for pharmacy is, you know, we don't have sexy products. Um, now we do. Our devices have been quite boring and um, static. Well, now we've got sexy products. And when we show customers how that they can manage their health so much better, they go, wow, in fact, Probably sometimes that when I've done the blood pressure monitors, people's blood pressure does go up because they get excited <laughs> by the application. You know, it, it takes yeah. it away from what we're meant to do, but um, it does. It excites people, and our job in pharmacy is to excite people. I think we, sometimes we're not good at that, but we have to be good at it. Oh, look, um, absolutely, and I, I think you know we've never been in a time where we've been so data rich but knowledge poor, and people have all of this information available to them, but the pharmacy does have the ability to translate it into something meaningful and the data not, not only helps with that but certainly like even you mentioned the uh the pulse oximeter it could even be relevant for someone who's got a goal of wanting to climb mount everest and they yeah. want and they could probably take it with them on their climb up um and make sure that obviously then their oxygen saturation levels aren't falling but i think it's really interesting you mentioned that how well it's working with Apple because I think that's, you know, probably a great thing for us to touch on is that um, with the more recent announcement back in September of um, Apple Health um, and the ability that, you know, some of our customers may already have um, internet connected health devices already, not just necessarily eye health, that it all comes together in one place. So, and I suppose to tie an extra theme or layer onto that, we know that we've got these personally controlled electronic health records, which are now going to become, I think, my health record next year, um, that that information's writing to that. So all of that collaboration, is that something that you're seeing that, you know, the vendors like iHealth and so forth are interested in getting that information into the environment so that we can almost automate the data flow to our healthcare practitioners? Yeah, in fact, Rob, we're... I think we're actually in a, in a new, a, a different phase already. Um, so we, you know, we started delivering eye health at the end of March. So we're in, what's that, seven, eight months into it. We're getting to the next phase where we're getting an, a number of different organisations, which are saying, okay, how can we take the data from our devices and then use it um, in a perhaps a rural or regional setting, to um, take that information and not just, okay, here's your information, that's nice. Take the information and when there's, let's say, an exception, 
or a customer or a patient is outside of their normal parameters, then we've got organizations approaching us to say, how can we take information out of those parameters and then almost triage them um, or uh, help say, save government's dollars by, let me give you a simple example. Someone's doing their blood pressure uh, in a standard way, they'll, they'll say the results are high. Often, the, often they'll do is they'll ring the hospital now or they'll even go to the hospital because they're concerned. That is a very costly um, uh, activity. But what we're getting approached by a number of organisations where that information is managed from another party, they look at that information, they can say whether it's relevant for them to um, you know, go, to the, go to the hospital or they can then get a doctor to contact the customer um, remotely and help the customer go through it because often people get concerned they're looking at a specific point of time not over as a trend and what the eye health data does is you can see it over a trend and so you can get a much better understanding of, of is that blood pressure or the glucose levels are they way out of whack are they consistently out of whack or is it just an anomaly so we're getting organizations wanting to use the data to better manage people's health it's the simplest way to put it yeah look yeah. i think there are some great examples both in the uk and the us and i know that uh, the one that apple held up as uh, the flagship uh, partnership that they were looking at was the one with the mayo clinic um and they were already looking at those exception reports in that you know if a blood pressure fell outside the usual realms um, that the doctor would be almost immediately alerted. So it was, it was interesting to see that. Um, I'm interested to see, you know, in our country, and I know that our health record systems are probably a little bit behind both of those two countries, yeah. um, how how willing and able, um, you know, the government agencies are to actually look at the consumer-facing data, not necessarily the information that just gets written by healthcare practitioners. Yeah. So I think it has, you know, tremendous opportunity, like you say. I, I, I agree, Rob. I, it's, uh, we haven't touched the surface yet. Um, we, every week there seems to be a new organisation that we're in contact with with a new idea on how they can use the data. And, and just this week I've got a number of meetings exactly on that. Um, but I, what, but I, what I still want to make sure that our pharmacies and that they're our call of our business um, to use that information for their customers. Um, I had an example of this is you know the, probably the worst case scenario where I had a, a pharmacy or an owner recently tell me, well, why would I need to have these devices? I want people to come back to my pharmacy to do the blood pressure. I said, well, no, that's not that's not the point. I said, do you want the customer to be able to manage their health much better. He said, well, yeah, but I want them to come to my pharmacy. I said, well, you're going to lose the, the customer because you're not actually helping them. You're almost hindering them. If they can manage their health at home and then they could actually share the results with you, then they're more likely to come back to your business. I think where the pharmacies have the great opportunity is where they say, okay, we'll, we'll give you all the, we offer the, the products, we've got the products to help you, and then we'll integrate the data to manage your health so much better. So 
you're either on the program or you're not on the program. And our customers are very smart. They're very savvy. Uh, in fact, I, I read a, a recent thing lately where um, you know, there's more people over 65 joining Facebook than people under 25. And I think that's the shift. Our customers are in control of their health. They want to be in control of their health. And that's where the opportunity for pharmacies is to say, okay, well, we're going to help you on that journey to manage your health better. And iHealth is one of those tools that will let you do that. Absolutely, Craig. And that, that's a central theme of what we talk about on the Transformation Show is becoming that patient-centric pharmacy because our patients directly want that. And it probably represents, as we talk about a lot, the probably the last sustainable competitive advantage for any pharmacy of any size is the ability to actually recognise that the game has changed, that customers are in charge. They have the information. It's not like the old days where healthcare practitioners had the privileged information of references and healthcare devices that patients just simply couldn't get access to. They're bringing all of that into us now and we're in the age of collaborative healthcare. So I think you're right. If if, you, if pharmacies don't recognise that, you really are sitting outside of where patients really want you to see. And, and like you say, the social connectiveness benefits of having the over 65s on Facebook, just even catch up with family on photos and so forth. It's such a huge opportunity for them and they are jumping at it in their droves. So I think, Craig, I'd love, love to take our listeners on a little journey in the terms of, okay, if a pharmacy owner who's listening now has recognised the world has changed, we need to be adapting this, what, what is the best way for them to be able to integrate it into their retail space, their workflow and their daily patient interactions? Yeah. Um, some really simple ways, um, Rob. First of all, if you want to be part of um, connected health, um, do it properly. Um, if you're going to do it in bits and pieces, you're wasting your time. Because it's a whole new category, and whether it's iHealth or whoever it is, there's plenty of examples out there of pharmacies, retailers, that have put bits and pieces in and expected products to work. Um, if you just start with one or two items, it just gets lost. Um, the reason that I backed iHealth and you know, we've backed it in a, a big way, both financially, emotionally, um, and strategically, is it covers a whole range of products. And it's like with cosmetics. You, know, you have a range of products. You don't just have one lipstick. Um, you've, got to have, you've got to do it properly. You don't have to invest much in a way of stock, but you've got to have a range of products. And look, not all of those are going to sell, but most of them will. Um, do it properly or don't do it all. Um, and it's clear from our retail side, and we work with most of the groups now, those stores that have done it properly and have done a range are selling it. When stores have done bits and pieces, and I mean literally bits and pieces, like one of each or, or not even that, it's almost a waste of time. In fact, we've, we've learned now that we won't sell um, eye health to people who just do bits and pieces because they'll always complain They'll always say it doesn't work. But those who do arrange, and then what's key to that, Rob, is having the staff trained in the product. Um, you've got to make sure that 
the owners want the staff trained. In fact, I would encourage the owners to get on board with it because they're investing in the stock. It is a new category. We want, and this is going to be the the future of where I think pharmacy is going. And I've said it to many owners that you know, look around your pharmacy now, and you'll see, you know, we'll have a stand of eye health, and we're the only ones essentially in pharmacy at the moment. There's a couple of other products, as you know, BG Star, and there's the Withings blood pressure monitor, but they're bits and pieces. Uh, at the moment, you know, there's a let's say a stand of eye health. I reckon in two years' time, you're going to have a whole category areas, whole gondolas full of connected health. If you go into Harvey Norman now and you walk into their electronic section, they have space dedicated to connected health, which is sometimes the size of pharmacies. They get it. Yeah. They understand it. They know this is where the future is. They're getting great sales on it now, and their area is growing enormously. In fact, I reckon this Christmas they will have, uh, just in the paper on the weekend, yeah. Yeah. there was a full page on by Harvey Norman on Connected Health. Now, that, our products aren't in there, but the Fitbits and the Jawbones and the Sonys and the Garmins, they're all in there. And, in fact, Harvey Norman, the only ad that they really focused on was Connected Health. Yeah. Now, they're saying they back it. Yeah, and it's yeah. done it in a really big way. And I, and I guess, you know, with those retailers, they are box shifters. Uh, there's no doubt about it. They're going to be looking to shift as many units through Christmas. But, you know, traditionally when we're looking at recreating our retail experience in pharmacy, we often draw comparisons to, well, how did Apple do it and how did they turn a, a non-sexy product like a computer into something that everyone wants to play around with? And yeah. Their motto is always, you know, people come to buy, but they return to learn. And none of those retailers have the ability to ask those customers who buy those health connected devices to return to learn because they just don't have the skills. And I think that's the really big opportunity for pharmacy in that they have that ability to invite the customer back to learn more about the information that they're capturing. So... It, I think it's a, it's a really interesting space, but, you know, much that we spoke about on a couple of episodes ago with Mark Lehman from Sasu, every business now is a technology company that happens to sell something else. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think the sooner we recognise that, um, you know, the, the, the shift changes. Um, and, it, again, it all comes down to every pharmacy's individual goals and aims. But if one wants to be sustainable in the 21st century, you've got to shift with the customers. And if you don't, someone else cert- certainly will be. Um, so, Craig, when... when- Customers are, get, I guess, interested in picking up the boxes, having a look in the store and so forth. What's the best way that you've seen in pharmacies of how the team have been able to, I guess, excite them, motivate them, and also be able to integrate the use of wearable devices into you know, everyday customer rea- interactions in that they may notice a customer come in wearing one? You know, is there a particular framework that's working well at the moment? Yeah, the um, the simplest thing is to well, often the pharmacies will be wearing one of the activity and sleep trackers. That that's an easy thing because it's a it's a lovely conversation to have. But what I'm finding now is so many pharmacies have iPads, which is really good. Um, it's um, it's taking those iPads and showing customers how the products work. So let's take you know every pharmacy will have 
uh, a little blood pressure display. Um, and it'll be pretty static. Um, so you'll have the product next to it and you'll have the blood pressure monitor and people will go up to it. Often it's just customs will go up to it. Um, but this is where a simple way can change the way that you, we're working with our customers, whereby have the iPad that you have in your pharmacy, which has the app on it, has the free app on it, and you actually demonstrate the products using the app. So we will often give away a, a free blood pressure monitor um, uh, with the eye health range. And when people come in, the stores use their iPad to demonstrate the blood pressure monitor on that. And that gives a completely different level of understanding for the customer. And they go, they go, oh, iPad, I've got an iPad or I've got a tablet or I've got um, an iPhone. And they go, oh, that's cool, I can do that. I was in a, uh, a pharmacy, it was a Priceline pharmacy about a month ago and I saw a lady walk up to a little table, it had the blood pressure monitor on it and I watched it because no staff member went up to them. She sat down, she did her blood pressure and she's about to walk away. And I, I was watching her because I thought, this is a perfect opportunity for the pharmacy to get involved. I went up to her, I had my iPad with her, with me, and then I did the blood pressure again. Well, she would have only been 26, so she was attractive, so I, I naturally went up to her. <laughs> and um, she bought one on the spot because she thought this is so much better and she could see how it was helping her. And... Like, I don't know whether she was into technology or not. It didn't matter. But I said, do you have a, a smartphone? She said, yeah. And she put it on the spot because straight away she could see this is actually going to help her so much more than the existing old technology. But she could see how she didn't have to write down her blood pressure readings anymore because it was all stored on her phone. And, you know, it was a simple act of... So if stores have an iPad... And often they will. We all talk about forward pharmacy. Well, here's a simple way of use the iPad, get out to see the customer. Don't let them do blood pressure on their own. Use the iPad to demonstrate the products because that's what the iPads are there for now or even someone's phone. And that's what's going to change your engagement with a customer and get them to come back. Yeah, look, absolutely. And I guess we've also seen, you know, over the journey, you know, glucose meters as well, um, where, you know, customers may have been encouraged through quite cumbersome USB cables and uh, software where it does take a while to set up if it's not already open and so forth. Whereas, you know, this is more instantaneous in that, you know, apps are opened in seconds um, and the readings can be either, you know, stored, as you say, or more more appropriately, if it's something outside of the usual possibilities, that referral onto uh, the GP may be uh, something that can be done very, very quickly through email or so forth. So yeah. I think, you know, it, it does, you know, make those interactions that quite often take significant time, not because you know, the talking too much with the patients, but just the processes involved. And, you know, I guess that's where technology has its best opportunity in that it's able to leverage a very good process, but make it as simple and as quick as it, easy as it can be um, so that a customer can appreciate it rather than think, oh, this is another thing we have to wait for. Oh, they're, they're going to open another program. Oh, I don't have time to wait for this. And I think that's the conversations that we're used to. Um, yeah. So I suppose, you know, to be able 
to you know recognize the speed of how all of these things work it will make a significant difference so i'd love to know is there any pharmacies that you've worked with that have seen a huge shift in how their customers engage with them as a result of um you know getting in getting stuck in with wearable and connected tech devices um it's the anecdotal evidence that i hear rob and probably the the not so much from the pharmacies, but it's actually from the customers themselves. Um, we've got a one three hundred number that people ring all the time, and what we're finding now is there's actually more of a shift from um, staff ringing us from stores to the actual customers ringing us directly, and they're giving us the feedback, which we know the product is selling, which which is really encouraging. Yeah. Um, they're the ones that are telling us how it's being used. Um, let me give you a really a, a simple example. Um, a couple of months ago we had a call from a lady who she was telling us about her son who's autistic and her son um, does exams so he must be a teenager um, and has trouble moving on to the next question within exams. and. I was wondering where this was going, and she said, "Look, I'd heard about your your, wear, our, your wearable, our activity and sleep tracker." And she said, in, "As part of one of our features is it's got a little vibrator. You can set it, not a vibrator, a, a little. It vibrates, mm. so you can actually set little um, little alarms um, uh, within the the uh, activity and sleep tracker." And she said, "What that does is it helped her son." move on to the next question because it was a reminder and she rang us to tell us that it's helping her son not necessarily complete her, his exams but get more questions answered and when you hear those type of examples things that we would never have thought about that's what makes this worthwhile Rob and Another example I can give you is um, another a pharmacy customer. They um, had an example of a gentleman who um, would never do um, blood pressure using the existing technology out there because it was just, um, you know, just gave numbers. Mm -hmm. But this guy um, had a phone. Um, this gentleman's over, over 55. He likes technology, uses his phone all the time. He used our blood pressure device because it was linked to an app, so he thought that was really cool. He did it. He did his blood pressure. His blood pressure was qu quite high, and he did it several times because it kept on saying his blood pressure was high. He went to the doctor that week, and he rang us to tell us the doctor changed his uh, blood pressure medication, and if it wasn't because of our device, the eye health blood pressure monitor, he wouldn't have done anything about it. But it was the technology that he liked and he could see what it did and what it meant that made him do something about it. Mm. That's the power of how we're finding um, app-based products, uh, health devices, what it can do. It's that real practical example of making people do things differently. Mm. 
Yeah, yes. <clears throat> and certainly the accessibility is so much different too, like you just mentioned in that last one, and that, you know, the previous devices just were too cumbersome or too analytical to allow someone to really understand it. And, you know, I think, you know, there's probably a great example out there at the moment of what Kenmart are doing with the uh, spot checks in that they've yeah. got technology that's able to, you know, digitally capture the skin um, in, a, in a format that's easy to then on-send and liaise in telehealth consultations with skin cancer doctors to be able to find out, is that patient at risk of skin cancer? Whereas so those people may never have walked into a, a, a skincare clinic wanting to do that check because it was just too big a barrier of entry. So, you know, I guess it's it, that's the fantastic thing about technology and I love seeing how it's non-prescriptive and that everyone uses it differently. Um, and, you know, again, it, it allows people to make it personally relevant, uh, which is this whole era of personalisation that we uh, we hear so much about in all sorts of industries and businesses. So no, I think that's fantastic. And, and Craig, I'm also interested to know your thoughts as well. We hear so much about the health insurance um, companies and their interest in uh, wearable tech. And, you know, obviously Medibank were giving away Fitbits with yeah. their policy renewals and there's a lot of discussion that wearable tech may actually uh, reduce people's policies uh, policy yeah. dollars by actually sending their data to them so uh, where do you think that's all going to go yeah I, I think that's uh, I mean Medi great work that Medibank have done because they realize really quickly um, the power of what it can do and it's you know they're not just selling a almost a blood pressure monitor or a pedometer they're doing something which they know can have an effect on on their uh, customers' lives. Um, I think the the health insurance industry uh, uh, it's very new for them. I think they're getting their heads around it. Um, I think there's going to be a lot more activity in this space as they see um, the relevance. Um, so I think the, the yeah the health insurance insurers will probably end up demanding it's part of um, you know what what people do because they can see um, very clearly you know, they they can see the results um, I mean they it's getting to a point where um, the data is not just for the consumer but the data can actually if the customer agrees can actually go back to the health insurer and then they can manage the their customer's health. So they're taking control of their customers' health um, and better managing rather than just you know, giving them a product for, for product's sake. Yeah, yeah. No, ab ab absolutely. And Craig, I always like asking this one. Um, and um, what do you think is, um, I guess, you know, we've seen such an evolution and as you said quite rightly earlier, it has been the year of the wearable and uh, that'll only continue to grow. But look, how far do you think this could go? Um, you know, and what do you think would be the, the biggest game-changing technology that, you know, if all time and resources were thrown out, um, you know, what would you like to see in businesses and pharmacies today? It's a great question, Rob. Um, the, to answer your first part, where is it all going? Um, I continually to see developments from iHealth of, of new products. I think where, where they're very much taking products as we're taking you know, clinically-based products and we're making them consumer-friendly. I think the Pulse Oximeter is a classic case of that. Some of the products I'm seeing come through, such as ambulatory blood pressure monitors and 
portable ECG devices linked to apps. Um, uh, there's a there's a magnitude of product that we'll be bringing in, and uh, I'm going to the the Consumer Electronics Show early next year, which is the largest. Um, well, it's going to be the largest health device mm. show. I mean, normally I would go to pharmacy shows, but I don't think they're. I think where the relevance is now is consumer electronics because that's what's going to drive our industry. Um, I think pharmacy has the greatest opportunity um, in terms of retail to get behind this. Um, to answer your question in terms of, um, you know, what would I like? I actually go back to the. My original thing, I, I think if we can change the way that um, we can offer the companion selling, um, and I think that would be great if somehow, and if you look at Google Glasses hmm. as an as initial way of, you know, someone comes into the pharmacy and they've got a condition. I mean, we're very good at pharmacy of selling just a product, but we don't necessarily do the solution selling. It would be fantastic if let's say you've got Google Glasses and someone comes in with um, you know, head lice and up on the Google Glasses comes a little a couple of um, items of you know, don't forget to sell X, Y, you know, one, two and three products. Um, I think that would be really exciting mm. because that's going to solve the biggest challenge for pharmacy in terms of you know, we're, we're getting hit across the head with PBS but retail is no different to any retail what we're dealing in. If yeah. we can offer two products to help the customer, not just one, that solves all of our problems. Our, the biggest challenge is giving our pharmacy staff the skills to know how to do that and you need tools to do that. And I think if one day, and I think it'll be one day soon, and goodness knows what I'll see in two months' time, <laughs> if you can have a product like that, pharmacy owners will be very happy because they don't care what, what's happening with PBS. It's the front of shop that's going to drive our business and if we're doing classic solution selling, offering two or three products for every customer that walks in the door, our pharmacy issues are solved. Oh, look, absolutely, Craig. And we talk about the evolution of pharmacy a lot in that, you know, in the 1800s, there was no PBS, there was no manufacturers, there were no distributions, there were no retail planograms. Um, and it all came back to, you know, finding out the true root of the problems and getting really good at listening, which is probably something we probably don't do enough of at the moment, um, that enabled us to really understand, well, what would the best solution look like? And like you say, it could represent multiple number of products in order to get the best result in the shortest space of time you know no customer ever walks into the pharmacy hoping that you only give them part of the solution so that you can come back two weeks later and get part two and part three Um, they want to feel better straight away so yeah before we recognize that I think that's going to be a great opportunity so Craig fantastic having you on today I know our listeners will Hopefully not have uh, too many parts of their brain blown apart and thinking, well, oh, geez, how am I going to adapt to this? But it, it is evolutionary. It is changing every day. And, uh, you know, I'd love to obviously find out what, what you see at um, CES. It's uh, always a great experience. And, um, yeah, look forward to having you back in the not-too-distant future. Thanks, Rob. Really appreciate it. Cheers. Thanks, Craig. Thanks, Rob. Well, if you're struggling to find opportunity after listening to that, 
then you're clearly in the wrong place. There is so much opportunity and this episode and this interview is really one that just scratches the surface of what's available to us as we transform ourselves from businesses specializing in healthcare solutions to technology businesses focused on patient-centered healthcare. And that's what we're all about here on The Transformation Show. And if that's your business moving forward, then you're in the right place. Geez, my three key learnings, they were big again. And certainly, I think the biggest is that 2014 is the year of wearable technology, no doubt. As Craig told us, over 80% of people have now got smartphones and the quantified self-movement, and really that's all about where people are actually able to utilise data to actually know more about themselves than they ever have before, and they're actually able to quantify every effort that they make, whether it be through diet, exercise, lifestyle, everything's able to have a finite and exact answer, which is fantastic to be able to drive more and more healthcare services, and in particularly, these healthcare devices, which had previously only been healthcare practitioner only. Patients just simply weren't able to take their own blood pressure. They weren't able to take their own blood glucose levels They weren't able to do pulse oximetry if you're a COBT patient or even if you're an avid mountaineer and you wanted to do that at 28,000 feet climbing Mount Everest. That was never a possibility until now. And so now that our patients are getting hold of that, it's such opportunity for us to be able to do that. And that leads into learning too. We live now in an era of collaborative patient-centric healthcare, where a pharmacy must transform into a technology-connected community hub. And so what that does is it moves our role as pharmacists to data translators and knowledge facilitators. There's never been more data available. Our patients are going to come into us with these fitness trackers, blood, blood pressure monitors, glucose monitors, but they're not gonna know anything about it. As Craig was talking about, you need to be able to zero in on those patterns and translate that into an actionable insight for each patient. And we've certainly got the clinical skills to do that, and we're certainly very capable of collaborating within our local healthcare communities to be do that. We're soon going to have capabilities of automation via connected health devices, as we've seen very well done overseas at the Mayo Clinic, which is one of the biggest private medical clinics in the world. And they're able to automate those notifications to their GPs when a patient's blood pressure is out of the normal realms more than a couple of results in a row. It's fantastic. And certainly there's a lot of now discussion amongst even the Australian health healthcare insurance companies that we may even experience lower healthcare premiums if we provide our data to them. And we're able to show that the lifestyle and interventions that are being given to us of sleeping better, eating better, exercising more, that we're actually doing it. Um, In short, there's a level of accountability, but certainly uh, for those of us that do the right things, it's certainly great to be rewarded for it as well. And the third one, I mean, you're probably thinking, wow, that's two huge ones. Well, the third one is technology facilitates and enables best practice processes. We know about that. And that's why when we talk about technology on this show, it's not just simply for the gadget space and for the novelty, but it's because it's actually enabling us to do more. So we're able to engage with our patients and take away all of those manual processes. One of the examples we used was taking blood glucose readings in our pharmacies 
through very cumbersome programs, USB cables, and by the time we got ourselves set up, our patient's just ready to get out the door. So we're actually able to take that headache all away and actually have an actionable conversation. But also that that technology may be best used and and the use may be decided by the patient, believe it or not. We're not gonna tell them how to use it, they're gonna tell us how it's most useful for them. The autistic son example that uh, Craig mentioned with the exam questions and having an alert on the fitness tracker to remind remind him to move to the next question is certainly a use that we never would have imagined. And certainly when I look at my use of a healthcare, of a fitness tracker, I use a jawbone up, I'm very happy to say that. Um, it's fantastic for being able to wake me up at 5am in the morning when my wife and the young kids don't want to be woken up by a blaring alarm and it's been able to solve that problem. And also, I always aim to try to not sit for an hour or not stand in the same place for an hour in the pharmacy. I've got a little alert that tells me to move uh, every few, every uh, 45 minutes. So again, you can use it so many different ways, but it's not prescriptive. But I guess we're just scratching the surface and there's just so much opportunity to look forward to. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of Transformation. Don't forget, we've got some great interviews coming up. We've got e-commerce and how your pharmacy can offer your customers an endless aisle to shop from, which is fantastic. And it certainly builds on that conversation we had two weeks ago with John Hollenberg about your first pharmacy website. When you're duplicating what you do in-store, online as well and we talk about all the ins and outs of going down that pathway. I've also got Jonathan Layton and we're going to touch on the same topic with him as in terms of how Chemmart have tackled it but also he's going to give us a behind the scenes look at Chemmart's new spot check program which uses some brilliant technology that enables pharmacists to collaborate with skincare specialists. Don't forget, leave a comment at the bottom of the show notes. You'll get a great competition prize if your question is judged the best I read and respond to each one, and my guest, particularly Craig this week, will do exactly that, and he'll pick the best question to win our fantastic prize. Have a great week, everyone. I look forward to speaking to you again next week. Bye for now.